I'm Jay Jovi. I'm Sammy Hardon. Good to be having you back. We've got an extra special episode tonight. We have. And how's everyone going in isolation? Uh, it's pretty full on, isn't it? But I'm it adjusting. Is full on. I'm adjusting. I'm adjusting. I could live like this. I'm getting stuff done, Sammy. Yeah, I know. That's right. I'm, uh, like you I'm, either I'm, go one way or the other. I'm happy to sort of. I'm doing a lot of work. Like it's all. Do you know what I'm? A, yeah, yeah. It's all Sorry, at honey. home. It's all at home. But like, I'm playing guitar. I'm bloody, bloody cooking. Like recipes I've always wanted to do. I'm gardening. Fucking yeah, doing great. all these things. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually trying to stay off Facebook. People yep. are a little bit annoying with how they've achieved all this shit through isolation. Like, oh, sorry. Look at me. Not you. Fucking yeah, right, right. hardly on Facebook. <laughs> just, yeah. it's like, no, it's, no, it's, it's just like, oh, look at me. I'm doing fucking, oh, I don't know. It's just so yeah, bloody. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, why don't you do it off isolation? You know, do I need to hear about it? So I'm a little bit over Facebook. I've actually tried to stay off Facebook. Yep, fair enough. Um, and, I mean, today I got on Facebook because I found a stray dog running across the highway right? and I had to save the bloody thing's life and yes. get it off the road and I put that yep. on Facebook. But that's like the first time I've actually looked at Facebook. I'm finding people that have lives where they do all these big jobs and stuff. Yeah. It's their first time they've been free in a while and, you know, their relationship's so amazing. It's like, is it though? Is yeah. it? Yeah, 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 know? yeah. That shit we hate. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm just sort of doing different things that I wouldn't have done before. Like I, like last night, I at about ten or eleven p.m. I went for a twenty k ride. You know, so shit on a bike. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, through, through the <laughs> through. Yeah, on Mika. No, no, no. <laughs> I um, I. <laughs> I, um, 20k, we only do 10. <laughs> 20 minutes, yeah, that's usual for me. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, 
uh, yeah, like just I, I thought like it'll be it'll be quiet because the roads are sort of that little bit more quiet anyway. Yeah. Um, and especially at night, there's fucking nothing going on because no one's going out. So exactly, I thought I can get away for get away with not getting cleaned up by a truck. So I sort of w- went for a ride. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, um, I did read something online the other day that was interesting and um, just sort of pointing out all the all the um, all the pluses of, of th- how things are different now, like bloody petrol's cheap, people mm-hmm. are spending time with their kids. They're, yep. they're cooking rather than getting fucking um, takeout. Takeout. They're mm. um, um, just sort of reconnecting a little bit more and, uh, you know, getting in, uh, reading books and fucking doing different things. And Yeah. So, look, there are advantages, you know. There are sort of fucking pluses. And uh, you know what I reckon you work out during this time is how – Good, your relationship is with someone. Oh, absolutely! It's like, it's like sink because it's swim. very testing. Yeah, yeah very yeah. testing. At first, I did notice a lot of activity, sort of a lot of talk of, um, you know, there a lot of ads started popping up, like you know, if you need some counselling in your relationship, don't yeah. be scared to reach True. out. You know, so I yep. think like when when it first started. Um, uh, people just fucking freaked out. It was like, oh my god, I'm seeing too much of you. Yeah. Um, but now it's like people are appreciating company a little bit more and conversation a little bit more. And oh, who knows? Fucking that's that's what I'm going. I, I've re- I've reconnected with a lot of people. I've I've just um, had the time to sort of ring and have a chat because what the fuck else? You know what? What yeah. the fuck else are you going to do? So yeah, mm. yeah, there we go. Absolutely. Yeah. So tonight's show, we're looking at the year... 1987. Yeah. We, this is the second, uh, second sort of year celebration that we've done. We did 1984. That was our first episode, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. So we thought it was high time to do another one and we yeah. chose 1987. Um, because we had a couple of the songs last week's episode, the 10 sexiest songs of the 80s. Couple of them were 1987, and I thought, well, we should maybe look at 1987. See, Sammy, you guys out there, Sammy seems to think that later in the 80s, things started to get a bit shit. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it was very hit and miss. Right. I really do. Look, things were really changing. See, but for me, that's when look, I I do um I do think the early 80s was fucking fantastic. Mm. Um it was very different to the end of the 80s, but um um I I loved the later years of the 80s. I yeah. For I was in 1987. How old were you, Sammy? 17. See, I was in year 4, so I would have been about nine or ten or something. Well, the music would have suited you a lot more in that years. Why? In those years. Yeah, because but you're, it was fucking shit. Yeah, you also say shit, you bitch. Look, I found it hit and miss, and I found it some some of it was really exciting. I think maybe I was drunk most of this year. Ah, uh, you would have been out there bloody shaking your ass to what? Was I was already in nightclubs, absolutely. Yeah. So what I was hearing was the undercurrent nightclub sort of music. Yep. I found a lot of artists sort of had their second album 
or whatever and, and, you know, the first album was fantastic and then you get to the second and you go, oh, not really. But I don't know. You know what actually, you know what actually changed in terms of music uh, and I'm not talking genre or anything, I'm, I'm just talking about um, output, was um, the, the, the releases started slowing down a bit for a lot of artists. Like, um, you, you know, we talked about um, Duran Duran not long ago, how they... Um, it was basically like an album every year for the first fucking five years of the 80s or something for them. It was just like crazy. Things really slowed down for a lot of artists. Um, if you look at, say, artists like Michael Jackson, he would take a good sort of three, four years to release an album, to sort of write and uh, record and produce and then release and tour. Um, that whole cycle would take about um, three or four, four years. Four years or something, yeah. yeah. That was the thing the record companies were introducing. The one mm. thing that I found interesting with a lot of the albums is they were releasing up until December yeah. in a lot of the albums. And, and usually in the last ten years they haven't released in December unless they've been Christmas albums or they've been, um, you know, Smash Hits albums with all just the one singles on it. Yeah. Because people buy Christmas albums. So maybe Mariah Carey fucked that. I don't know. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, it, it, that's it a good might call. have been – they did change because a lot of albums in this year were released in December and um, you just wouldn't think that would be viable because people don't have money to spend. Yes. But it was it's kind of great in another way because they'll spend that money on their kids. Yeah, that's know? right. Yeah, yeah. Now look, life was very different in 1987. I know because it's so close there to 1990. For a lot of us that are in our 40s, it doesn't seem like that long ago. But um it uh, life was very different. Do you mind if I just rip through a few points, Sammy? Yeah. Or about things that happened in '87. Right. Things that happened in '87. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. That's your Anzac Day horn, is it? Oh no, it's my other horn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in 1987, the first Simpsons episode airs in the USA. Correct. There we mm. go. Um. Work on the English Channel Tunnel began, Sammy. Mm. The um, the uh, what's it called? The Eurostar. Yes. You um, you you love London, don't you? Love London. Did you ever sort of take a, a quick trip over to France while you were there? Yeah, we did. Ah, uh, isn't yeah, it? Pre- we did. It's actually pretty incredible, isn't it? It's fucking phenomenal because you're going under the water. Yeah. And you're two and a half hours, and you're in another country. Yeah. And a part of Europe that you've seen on the TV yeah, and gone, fuck, we're here now, you know? I wonder if like similar to how when you go on a plane, how you join the mile, how you join the mile high club, is it called the mile low club if you sort of just grab, you know, another passenger and do it on the Eurostar? Maybe. Yeah. I think it was easier when um, we had smoking on planes. What do you mean you're not allowed to do it anymore, Maddie? Oh, social yes, distancing. social distancing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm social distancing with my – I'm actually having alcohol tonight. Yeah. Fucking no you? sugar cola. Oh. Where the fuck got me no I've sugar just, cola? I've just cut straight to heroin. Yeah, right. Nice. Um, yeah, so <laughs> – well, I'm actually having a tequila, which is – um. I, I know I'm breaking tradition. I no, normally have a bottle of champagne, but I've yeah. got that waiting for me after. 
Oh, lovely. Because right. it is, we do record, we are recording on the Saturday night for the Thursday. So it's sort of a, you know, usually we'd be gigging, wouldn't we? But we're doing. Oh, yeah. Usually we'd be pissed. So we like to sort of recreate that for this. Exactly. Right. I'm going to keep banging through. The yep. very first criminal was convicted using DNA forensic evidence. Do you know that? Wow. There no, you go. I didn't. There you go. So Prozac hit the market. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was a massive search for the Loch Ness Monster launched in Scotland. It cost mm-hmm. them $1.6 million. What and a waste ni- of fucking money. And in 1987, that was a lot of money. And they what found nothing. Of course. All right. So in, um, in, 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 do you know what? Uh, in, in the UK, Margaret Thatcher was elected prime minister. She was the first female prime minister of the UK. Uh-huh. In Australia, Bob Hawke was the PM. He had yep. something like a he had something like a seventy six percent approval rate, which is just fucking astronomical, considering like bloody the loser now, Scott Morrison, and is on about like forty nine at his fucking best. Yeah, right. Fat turd, and um, <laughs> and and Ronald Ronald Reagan was president of the USA. That's right. At the time, so um. Bob Hawke was um, just a, a, just about set to launch his next campaign because they were about to go into election in a few months. And it mm-hmm. was when he famously said on the steps of the Sydney Opera House... By 1990, no Australian child will be living in poverty. Um, oh. Which was... Which was, um, you know, a, a fantastic kind of vision, but it didn't happen. They're still sort of... Fucking nice it didn't. Still a lot of kids living in poverty out there, which is a shame. Um, but Ronald Reagan, and it's it's uh, this is actually when the period when Ronald Reagan and um, and Mikhail Gorbachev, the the USSR president, started sort of talking again, and so it was like the beginnings of the end. Like the the, the Cold War had sort of escalated to this point, and then they started chatting, and it all started like changing. And um, in this year was actually when um, Ronald Reagan was trying to encourage Gorbachev to reunify Berlin. Remember it was yep. East and West Berlin? And it's when, when he made his famous speech, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Mm. Remember that? Yeah. I don't, but we did have a look at that before we came on. Oh, Nice. We also had a massive stock market crash. There was a huge sort of yes. economy crash right around the world. The first mobile phone call was made in Australia. And they were wow. fucking enormous. Well, they were, like bricks. Yes, that's right. Mm. Um, now, can you remember Anne Hamilton Byrne, Sammy? No. She was the leader of that cult, remember? And she had like a cult at Lake Eildon. And they had like all the little kids and they believed that she was like the reincarnation of Jesus. It was like a cult and she was like a, she was like a yoga instructor and they all thought oh, she wow. was Jesus. And the cops right. came in and I thought for sure you would know who she was. No. Nah. People out there will though. It was huge. And I always think of her when I'm driving up to the snow. 
Okay. <laughs> there you go. And look, um, towards the end of the year, 29th of December, a 19-year-old Kylie Minogue released... I should be so lucky, lucky, yes. lucky. It was right at the end of the year. How's that? She did. Yeah, well, she that's f- what I'm saying. A lot of the Stock Aitken and Waterman stuff released right in December. Absolutely. They had a, they had a huge year that year. This was, we all, yeah, this, they did. This was like the year for Stock Aitken and Waterman. 86, 87 yeah. was, were both great. Um, we also had the Hoddle Street Massacre. That's right. Which yeah. is va- and I so remember being a kid exactly really afraid of that. What exactly happened there? What happened there? Can you remember? There was okay. a shootout. So wasn't it? shootout. So someone was on Punt Road or Hoddle Street, same yeah. thing, yeah. down further, just shooting at cars. And yeah. I remember hearing it on the news as a child, going, "Oh my god, when I get my license, I can't drive down that road. What if that shit happens? You know?" Yeah. Um, yeah. I was I was always a bit scared of that um, because we heard it on the news. I think it happened really late at night. Yeah. See that that Some kind crazy. of. That kind of thing happens in sunshine all the time, you know. Yeah, that's and, right. And it doesn't make the news, but there, there you go. But I look, think it was one of the first sort of – there was also a Swanston Street one or something. What was yeah. that, Maddie? Queen Street. See, guns were still like, you know, out there in, that's right. in Australian um, society. Yeah. So it, it could I mean really they were only they were only relying on a very thin kind of moral binding for people not to shoot each other in Australia. That's um, right. And I uh, think fuck, you know, they they've gotten rid of them now because um there are some nutters out there. But but um Sammy, do you know that 1987 was the last year, uh, was the year that the final episode of Countdown was filmed and Yes, aired? I do. Yep. What a shame. I know, I why? do. Why? Do you know why? Ratings, honey. But it's the ABC. Yeah, but the ABC, the gov- the, we all, uh, the, um, don't we pay tax for the ABC? What, aren't we, isn't it taxed by the the patrons? Like, oh, fuck, I don't know. I don't, uh, the government pays for the ABC and they pulled the pin on it. They don't seem to be worried about bloody ratings any other time. If you've watched any of their shows... I think the ratings had gone down. Now, a reason for that would be that the music had – there was just a couple of things happening and, and music wasn't as exciting or, Look, you know, yeah. sort of like Top of the Pops or Smash Hits. Remember we spoke about that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Weird, But you're eh? right. It was, it was very Stock Aiken and Waterman the time. Look, I've, I've – um, I've I've mentioned a lot of the shit that was happening, you know, in 1987. But you know what? The, the hugest thing, the most important thing that happened in 1987. Can I guess? What? Guns and Roses' Appetite for Destruction came out. <laughs> That's a good one. No, oh, well, I thought you were going to say that. No, I wasn't. Oh. You, you know what happened? The most important thing. You lost your virginity. No, no, you fucking idiot! I was I was nine. <laughs> Oh, fuck, Je- sorry. <laughs> Jesus. Oops. That wouldn't have happened. Yeah. yeah I yeah, wouldn't yeah. have. Well, well, the oh. most important thing that happened in 1987, Mika was born. Mika oh, was born. Oh, my God, there of course. Go. Good save. Wow. Good save. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when Mika was born, Tiffany were doing was doing concerts in the supermarkets thinking she was alone now. Yeah, that's right. You know who else was born that year? Who? Nikki Webster. She was too. Yeah. 
Well. And and for our USA listeners, Hilary Duff. She was too. And yes. you know you know who else? Michael B. Jordan, also known as um who oh what's one of it? Uh, Kill Killmonger from Black Panther. So there you go. Mm. All right. So um Australia's population was sitting at around six million people. Mm-hmm. It's about twenty six now. Wow! Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. Things have changed a lot. Um, a loaf of bread in nineteen eighty seven was about a dollar fourteen. That's pretty amazing, yeah, right? Yeah. So and it used to get delivered by horse and cart. Yeah, you can get a bottle of wine for about six bucks. Wow! And you. Still can now if it's goon. <laughs> or from Aldi's. Now, return airfare to Sydney was 4.38. And wow. you, you know what? Considering, um, I mean, not right now because everything's grounded, but um, um, not a lot has changed in terms of a, like a return airfare to Sydney. You could you could possibly get um, a lot cheaper than that, to be honest. Yeah, you get about $200. To Sydney and back. I remember air travel um, in the eighties. Thousands. Oh god, yeah. Oh god, yeah. 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 Can you remember yeah. what year ANSAT collapsed? It was soon after this, wasn't it? I'm pretty. No, ANSAT collapsed. Yeah, because I used to get ANSAT because we were Hobart. Yeah. Right. Okay. There Might you have go. been 2011. Oh, no. 2002. 2011. Well, I don't know. Jesus, I, no. That, I mean, see, I'm really bad because I'm all about music. I, I would know. Yeah. You know? All right. So um, the average home you could buy a house in Australia, ha- guess. Guess how much you could buy it for. 50 grand. Right. That is unbelievable. <laughs> You could you could take your girlfriend or your mistress to the movies for seventeen dollars for the tour. Wow, that's you'd have, to t- you'd have to take out a fucking mortgage today. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you won't yeah. have a house to take your girlfriend home to because you won't be able to afford one. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Little slice of life in nineteen eighty seven. Sammy's, so. Sammy's, Sammy's just opened her next tinny. Oh, I'm opening my next tinny. You're having a Foster's, are you? Mm. I'm having a no sugar fucking Jack Daniels. Who bought you Don't that? Don't ask Maddie. Oh, he's trying anyway, to tell you something. Maybe. No sugar. I think he's got Oh, he's drinking it too, so who knows. Are they any um, good, the no sugar Jack Daniels? Are they? They taste any different. Yeah, but still, um, it could be the sugar rush that makes you a little bit pissed, though. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, 1987, I mean, that was the year where I had started going nightclubbing. Right. I was going to billboards in Melbourne and there was a band called um, Jabulani, Jabulani, oh, Jabulani. And they were this, it was... um. Three brothers and sisters. Jabalani. Jabalani was the big band to go and see at Billboards on a Friday night. Were they? It had a Claude cover band? Carranza in the band, cover band. Yeah. This is where cover bands became big. Why Remember you, how we? 
Why are you singing Jabalani? Was there a song, Jabalani, that they, they named made up their own after? song? Yeah. They had yeah. a song yeah. called Jabalani. Yeah. And that was yeah. The well, name they were the African. Band. They were African. <laughs> oh, so they had made up, maybe it was a song that comes from Africa. I don't know. Maybe it means like fuck Oliol or something. I don't know, but they no. were at Billboards on Friday nights and they had a residency and this is where we started to see some really, really top quality cover bands. Ah, yeah. Um, Claude Carranza was in that G- band. Yeah, I can't wait for it to happen. <laughs> David David Hicks, David Hicks on um, the drums. He was an incredible drummer. Awesome. And they were incredible musos and they used to do a lot of American stuff, so stuff that you wouldn't hear on the radio. Anyone in Melbourne that is my age would know about this night at Billboards. And it was really hard to get into. You had to have a look about you or they wouldn't have let you in. Just sort of like all your own teeth. You had, yeah, that kind of thing. Oh, my God. If you didn't have spotless teeth, forget it. <laughs> oh, shit, but, really? Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's enough. only turned bands since the Over 28 nights have come out. Oh, okay. You know, because Over 28s, if you were Over 28, you would not be able to get into the club, right? Mate, people have a lo- had a life expectancy of about 32 in 1987. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wonder or what 40. it actually is. Um, I'm not sure, but it was know. a really, really good night and nightclubs were absolutely hammering. People went out more in 1987. Oh, God, yeah. Well, no internet, so if you wanted a route, you had to go out. That's it. Yeah. If you wanted a route or you wanted to uh, meet people... There was no swipe left, swipe right. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mm. The club that I I tried to think about last week was a club called Casablanca's in St Kilda. Ah, And that's where we used to go out and do prints. We used to dress as prints and go out and do prints and stuff. Um, But all the clubs were sort of happening. But I remember (laughs) it being saturated by Stock Aiken and Waterman. My my biggest fear was to be produced by Stock Aiken and Waterman. Yeah. Sometimes your biggest fear happens and I've actually been produced by Stock Aiken and Waterman. So that happened eventually during my life. A a really noticeable thing happened with Stock Aiken and Waterman because you had sort of – you had in the, I guess – Oh, in the in the earlier eighties, leading up to about eighty five, you had that sort of Prince new funk beat was very prevalent in a lot of dance songs. So mm-hmm. you you had a soft beat hard, uh, you know, soft beat hard beat, soft beat hard beat. So doom, 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 you know that kind of princey kind of beat. In the later eighties, um, sort of four to the floor. Hard beats were coming in, so like you know, all of the stock ache and waterman stuff, like tay 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 tay, like that we played at the opening of the show, like that started coming in. If you had done like um, a, a four to the floor bass beat in another decade, like any decade previous to that, they would have gone like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like that's pretty boring." You know what I mean? Like it was. Um, like a, a bass beats were different in sort of uh, music that you would dance to, you know. Well, it was definitely a formula that they had thought of. Yes, it was that's a right. formula of, and they used to call it their coffee percolator formula. Yeah, where it sounded like a coffee percolator, which would 
keep everyone just driving on, you know, the dumb shits could go one, two, one, two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there was no thought process behind it really Mm. where you had to change the way you danced. Um, I don't dislike it but Mm. I think, I mean, we are going to do a Stock Aiken and Waterman special soon. Yeah, we are. I can't wait for that. Where we're looking at all the tracks and all the, the artists. But they just had this new way of writing songs with really simple lyrics and the same sort of theme running through it. And it I think it exploded more than they thought. But it didn't happen straight away. <laughs> it was Say I'm Your Number One by Princess that actually paid the banks back because they were losing a lot of money oh, until say, say, my, say I'm Your Number One, Princess. Until they had a hit. That's right. And it was right. that one. And I think Say I'm Your Number One is a fantastic song. Um, but we are talking about 1987 and this is where we saw Rick Astley come in and do Never Gonna Give You Up. So he... Came out of the mailroom and onto the main stage. Uh, make you sick. Do you, you know? Do you want me to have a look at a few number ones from the eighties? Nah. Nah. Oh yeah, have you got some? What are you doing? Fucking hell! <laughs> Talk, about, oh, <laughs> Talk about a fucking shutdown. Jesus. Oh, oh yeah, you can do, look at some. Do number you want ones. me to look at a couple of number ones? Nah. Want you to fuck <laughs> off. Yeah, you can if you want. (laughs) When was it that you realised Sammy had dementia? (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) all right. (laughs) Well, it was about 2004. No, that's right. right. So, um, uh, let's have a look. What have we got in Australia? It was actually, we mentioned it before. No, we didn't mention it before, but we mentioned the artist before. Kylie Minogue with Locomotion. You know that was uh, spent seven weeks at number one, that shit song. So did she um, actually bring that out the same year as I Should Be So Lucky? No, I don't. uh, Yeah, it must have been. because has to be. I Should Be So Lucky was um, released on the 29th of December, so it just got in there. Yeah, yeah. I always really associate I Should Be So Lucky with a 1988 song, and that's why. So there you go. Yeah. Um, And there were two versions of the locomotion. Right. There was an Aussie version and then a Stock Aiken and Waterman version. Oh, really? So, yeah, so it was around for a little while. And I know that because my friend Claude Carranza, who I just brought up before, yeah. played on the single, the did Aussie he? single. What did he yep. play? Guitar. Ah, fantastic. So it had a little bit of guitar in it. But they, I, he remembers bringing Kylie in and she was shitting her pants. Yeah, you know? right, really. Because um, it was like, oh, my God, I'm singing for the first time. But, yeah, so Kylie Minogue must have had two singles. In that year. That's not bad. Mm. It's quite respectable for a non-singer at the time. Um, yes. Um, because it's, you know, it's not um, it's not often that if you have somebody that, you know, bursts unexpected, uh, unexpectedly onto the scene that you will have a, a follow-up single that's as successful, you know. So there you go. Mm-hmm. So... Another song that tied with Locomotion for, uh, you know, the, the, the record number of weeks at number one, you'll never, you'll, you will never guess it. Um, See, I've got the Locomotion. Yeah, La Bamba. Yeah. By Los Lobos. Yeah. Now, they would have, they would have, it's not as if, like, 
you know, Latin music was massive around this time. No. I mean, it is now. It is mm. now, but um, it, it, it certainly wasn't back then. This was like, a, you know, a little bit different. Um, it uh, must have been in the follow-up to... Um, what was that movie about Richie Valens? La Bamba. La Bamba. Yeah. There you, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The clue was so, in the song. Yeah. Well, this was a big year for movies and, and soundtracks. We had Dirty Dancing. Yes. I had the time of my... That shit song. Yes. That came out. Um, yeah. The Lost Boys. Movie Lost was Boys, out in 1987. Did. My favourite film from yeah. the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my God, who's that girl? Madonna? Who's yeah. that girl? That was yeah. out. So it was a big year for soundtracks and um, and music. Certainly was. Yeah, yeah. Now we also had, um, oh, remember that um, Old Time Rock and Roll by Bob Seger? Fucking horrible. Yeah, that went to number three. Yep. Um, now that must have been because of um, Young Einstein by by Yahoo Serious with with Yahoo Serious. Wasn't that in Tom Bloody Cruise's movie? Eh? Just take that all back and on the. Street. Is that the song we're talking about? Yeah. Well, that was in Risky Business. That's where it fucking escalated. Oh yes, na 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 na. Yeah. Right. Famously, Tom Cruise um, sliding across the lounge room yeah. polished floorboards in his undies That's what and a made white that shirt. That fucking happen. Yeah. And then, and then Elf did it, remember? Elf, the puppet. It was puppet. in 1983 Risky Business, so how would that have happened? Why would they put a 1983 track? Because I, I was in a trio at this time. It must have, it could have been Elf. It could have been fucking Elf. Could Who have knows? been Elf. It was very popular. Yeah. Anyway, I hate that fucking song. All right, Shocking. so um, Slice of Heaven, which was a previous one dick wonder of ours. Yeah. Uh, respectable, Mel and Kim. That went to number one that we opened the show with today, tonight. Um, yeah. You Keep Me Hanging On by Kim Wilde. I fucking love this song. It was number one for two weeks. Yeah, it was awesome. Walk Like an Egyptian by the Bangles. Oh, fucking kill me now. Really? Fucking hate it. Um, Electric Blue by Icehouse. That was number one for one week. Good to have an Aussie one. Um, Where are you getting this from? I don't know. The internet. Right. Australian or American or? Australian. Final Countdown went to number two by Europe. I fucking love that song. Yep. Um, I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney. Yep. 1987. That was number one for five weeks, as it should have been. Wasn't a fan. Ah, uh, you were jealous. All right, so another um, popular, um, you know, soundtrack song from the time... Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship yes. from the movie Mannequin. Yep. Yeah, it went to number three. Um, Absolutely. And they were sort of making out that fucking a mannequin was something weird, but there you go. Uh, yes, of course. That's it, right. Yeah, it was Samantha from Sex and the City, wasn't it? I liked that movie. I thought that was cute. Kim, Kim Cattrall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kim Can Cattrall. You re- 
Sammy, can you remember the the song I Want to Wake Up With You by Boris Gardner? Yeah, I can. I want to wake up with you. Oh, that's right. It's a reggae song. What a wet song. There were some fucking hit and miss songs in 87 and they were the shit ones. Yeah, right. um, I, I really, yeah, it was a mixture. It was a real mixed bag, 87. You had rock. So mm. we had Guns N' Roses came on the scene. Yeah. Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. We yeah. had Tango in the Night, Fleetwood Mac. Mm. We also had Bad Michael Jackson. Do you know what happened around this time? Pop and Not rock. much. Pop and rock split off into two different genres. They did. They did. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. earlier than this, rock was pop. Pop music was rock music. You know? So, yeah, that's right. So, um, We've talked about this before. Yeah, at we? this Where? time it all split off. So you had sort yeah. of this, you had sort of a, a lot of pop artists um, around this time um, completely sort of going in the direction of uh, synth, you know, synth bass, synth drums, synth everything, um, doing a lot of pop. Or just sort of the the mood of it was pop, the the, the yeah. weight of it was pop, and then yep. you had a lot of other artists that were just um, not using any synth and just you know um, uh, lots of ele- you know lots of electric guitar and lots of sort of real drum and real bass and that kind of thing, and they were they were known as rock artists. So yeah, there you go. And also, we also had. Drum machines and sequencers all fucking above board. Yeah. This was how it all happened, yeah. right? And it was easier to produce an album in a studio. Yeah. It was cheaper at this stage and people yeah. used this one formula and and, and did it. But, there, I mean, it was just a cheaper time to get into the studio. Yeah. And release something that was sort of half-assed. Yeah, But that's made a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, Hysteria, Def Leppard came out in 1987. Yeah. July yeah. 1987. It, and and the amount of albums people were selling, like it sold 12,600,000 albums. Fucking hell. Right? Yeah. And albums in 87 were just fucking huge. So obviously we haven't seen iTunes or anything where you can download shit come in as yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, Guns N' Roses, 15,006,000 records, July 87. So Guns N' Roses was probably the biggest selling album, Appetite for Destruction. Highest selling debut album, yeah. From a band, not from a soloist, yes, yes. That's right. That's right, mate, GNR. I remember being this age, Sammy, Mm -hmm. and... And and it wasn't and it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't just me, it wasn't yeah. just me. But like everyone would like like admit to loving Guns N' Roses because they were like fucking tough and hardcore and everything. But secretly we would love like fucking um, New Kids on the Block and that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> As yeah, well, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Just because yeah. it was. Like, oh yeah, we had very vast tastes. Yeah. Where one minute we could like something. Um, Joshua Tree came out in March 87. It did. You too. Were you a U2 fan? Not really, honey. Joshua Tree was, um, you know, the big single from this album was like, With or Without You. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, they're beautiful songs. 
produced by Brian Eno. This would so be my favourite album of them of theirs, I think. Yeah. Didn't they? Uh, didn't they just come through Australia and play? Um, the Joshua Tree um, front to back. They, they 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 just played this album live. Remember? It was a it was it was just Maybe, yeah. just last year. Just last year. So yeah, it was recorded in a house, which was the first time we sort of saw something recorded in a house. I think Queen were the only ones to sort of do it. Really? It might have been. Was it named after the fucking house, the Joshua Tree, or something? Oh, Desert yeah. in America. Okay. All right. So, I have one. I have one more. Um, oh yeah. Oh, there was another one. Another album and single. Album and single released in the eighties, and it was a big one. But surprisingly, the single only went to number four. Mm-hmm. That was. You know I'm bad. I'm bad. Bad. You yeah, know that's it. right. I can't believe that only went to number four in Australia. Just an, an artist like Michael Jackson only went to number four. Yeah. Yeah, in, I didn't it, like Bad that much. I thought Bad was a bit of a, a poor man's beat it, really. No, uh, yeah, oh, well, yeah, it was. It, um, you know. You know, it was cutting edge at the time, though. That was still produced by Quincy Jones, and it was like, you know, meant to be like all cutting edge sounds and, yeah. But I think, I think... It was all over. You know what I mean? There, look, there were some fucking great songs on that album. Um, I love Smooth Criminal. I think that's like the the um, the clip and the song that was like some of his strongest material. Well, the song on this album was, I'm pretty sure it was Sanita Garrett and Michael, I Just Can't Stop Loving You, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I loved Another Part of Me. She wrote that, didn't yeah. she? Yeah. That's right, yep. No, she wrote I Man l- in the Mirror. She wrote Man in the Mirror. Oh, okay. He didn't write that. She just sang on it then. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was meant to be, we've talked about this, I'm sure, but that was meant to be a duet. Um, I Just Can't Stop Loving You. It was meant to be a duet between Whitney, Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson. Right. But um, either his label or her label... Was a bit, oh, no, I think it might have been her label. They were really, she was really making a mark. She had, yeah. she, she was still kind of, because she was sort of, um, she was sort of, when she first came out, she was sort of really marketed as being the daughter of um, Sissy Houston, who was a, a singer and the niece of Dionne Warwick. Um, you know, she fam- had two, two huge albums though. Before 87. Yeah, she did, but this was her biggest baby. This was by far her biggest. Really? Oh, God, yeah. I want to dance. Saving all my love for you would give it a fucking run for its money. Mm, baby, look at the figures, I reckon. I reckon this was this was her, like, really going for it, like becoming a legend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really, See, this cem- is what, really this is cementing herself. Yeah, this is where I fucking hated this album and thought the first album was so much better. And I think um, I think it was her record company that um, Arista that um, was they didn't want to do see see Whitney and Michael were really good friends, 
But um, he actually proposed to her once at Neverland. Fucking how weird is that? That whole situation. It's just yeah. like, wow. Okay. Um, um, her label was a bit sort of reluctant to do it because they they just wanted her to stand a little bit stronger as a, as a soloist. They didn't want her to particularly do a duet just yet. Um, and then they asked Barbara Streisand to do I Just Can't Stop Loving You. Um, they thought she might have been too old. Yeah. Um, and then so that, yeah, they passed it on to Sadie Garrett who had written um, Man in the Mirror and he was a bit of a protege of Quincy Jones. So away you go. Yeah. There you go. I love Sinead Garrett. I let's, think she's fantastic. Let's round up on the music briefly. There is one more number one from that year. Mm-hmm. Went to number one in Australia. Yeah? Funky mm-hmm. Town. I don't know about that, darling. I think it was 1986. Was it 1986? Are you yeah, sure? Yeah, 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 yeah. Be- but it was on the soundtrack of Revenge of the Nerds Part 2. Because mm. we have discussed that. See, I depending on what you read, I I am pretty sure that this. Um, I'm nah, pretty not sure. Nah, Yeah, it was released in '86. Yeah, but it went number one pretty much straight away. It went to number eighty. went to number one in '86, but it was also it carried over into '87. I'm pretty sure. We'll have to ask our old mate about that. Yeah, we will. Because we looked it up because we asked the same question. Did you? And uh, because obviously we would because... Yeah, well, it must have carried over. There you go. Now, I... It was released in November of 86. I hear that it was number... uh, It was in the top ten for seven weeks. So that that would... Yeah, it did well. That would carry you through to 87. Yeah, it would. So we'll we'll have to do some research there. That, that yeah, no, but I mean it's definitely um, it went uh, number one in Canada in 1987. Oh, there we go. Which would make sense because it was in Revenge of the Nerds, the second one of those. Uh huh. But yeah, it's a funny year because you can't tell because the years were so sort of similar, 86, 87, where the songs actually fit in. Where if you went to a Duran Duran single, Girls on Film, it just says 1981, you know. Yeah, right. It just screams it. So it's really tricky. You know, all the lines are blurred Uh, for me. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but... um, Bloody burping in the mic. Yeah. But We've got one more. We've got one more One Dick Wonder and it's going to lead us into a segment. Are you ready for it? Mm Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. Let's go back to my room. You better believe it. Paul Lukakis. Boom, boom, boom. Let's go back to my room. Number one for five weeks. Uh-huh. And you know what? What do we say to our one dick wonder? Fucking good one, nice dick. Nice one, dick. Nice one, dick. <laughs> now, um, um, tell me about, let's go into our one dick wonder. Talk about Paul Lukakis and boom, boom, boom. Or boom, boom. Let's go back to my room. Sammy, go for it. All right, so it was um, Italiano disco. So it was a new kind of a, a disco where it was... Well, this is also Stock Aiken and Waterman. And his only hit, you know, and it sounded like Male Stripper. It sounded like all that other stuff that came out. 
And whenever this song used to come on in a nightclub, well, I, I was going to underage stuff as well as club stuff. Um, I would fucking walk off the dance floor. I fucking hated it. Hated it. Hated boom, boom, boom. And um, I just, he, he, he was a male escort, you know. He was Paul Lukakis. He's actually a friend of mine on Facebook and I don't know how that's happened. But he sometimes pops up with his puppy dog. Um, look, harmless enough. The guy's harmless enough. And, uh, you know, the song was catchy, but it was very 1987. Very freaking... You know what I mean? So it was something that didn't excite me too much. He was in a show called Passions, which was used, was on in the morning there for a while. Maybe 2004. And it was a crazy show called Passion. So he did a bit of acting, but not much. Um, but not really much to talk about. Now, um, he is he's, he really didn't have, like, too much other uh, material that he released. I, I, I actually think he, he kept releasing, doing remixes of this one, one song and... Um, you know, releasing it every couple of years when he needed a bit more money kind of thing, you know? Um, well, Pete Burns used to do that. Yeah, so Pete Burns So it wouldn't surprise it. me. Pete Burns um, did it, absolutely. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. He would have done it every now and then. But, um, nah, nothing to write home about. I mean, it's not a bad song at all, but it just wasn't my flavour. Yeah. When you're, when you're a dude and you're kind of 40s and 50s and you're still, still releasing... <laughs> Boom, boom, let's go back to my room, you know. It's a bit, it's a bit different, isn't it? It has a bit of a, bit of a different colour to it. Especially when you've got young girls in the film clip and you're in your 40s and 50s. So there you go. Who knows? I All don't right. know if he's released it as from, for the last 15 years, though. What do we say to our one dick wonder? Nice one, dick. Nice one, dick. Fantastic. All right. Um... What do you reckon, Sammy? Should we throw to an ad break and maybe um, yeah. we'll come back and talk about films in 1987? What do you reckon? Sure. we got a cracker of an ad for you. All right? It's an mm-hmm. awesome ad. This guy was massive. This guy was massive during the 80s. Um, uh, we were going to play the, um, the AIDS ad, weren't we? You remember the famous bloody... Grim Reaper ad, but we thought that, yeah, that, yeah. Oh, gee, oh, Jesus, that'll that'll bloody yeah. But let's look at that ad and talk about it. How many? It was so good because at the end of the day, it made you think about fucking just a normal dickhead. The AIDS ad. Yeah, it was protect. Wasn't it about protective sex? Yeah, the thing is though, like not everyone contracted it by by having sex. So it was it was um. It was a bit misguided, and it, like just what what it actually did though, there was a bit of a fallout from from that kind of scare campaign, and that was just like people with AIDS were just like treated like lepers, you know, like it was it was terrible. Um, but weren't there kids knocked over in the ad and stuff? Yeah, there were kids and old people, and yeah. Yeah. So like, well, what did they mean by that? Oh, just probably that they were ugly and fucking. Oh, I don't yeah. know. No, I, I thought it was about needles, sharing needles and stuff like that. They did talk about it, but the way that they the way that they pro- portrayed it in such a 
scare campaign made people of the lowest common denominator. It, it, you know, it made it it made people respond to um, hearing about AIDS. Like if somebody ever said that they had AIDS or HIV, it'd be like, oh my god, and you would like cut ties with that person and fucking, you know, that was horrible. That led to a lot of um, um, sufferers of HIV, carriers of HIV, um, leading to sort of d- depression and suicide and everything. You know, really, it was just a sort of contractible disease like any other disease and um, um, it should be sort of treated with a bit of sensitivity, I guess, you know. not Well, yeah. I didn't see it like that though. I actually exp- – if the if you look at the ad, the Grim Reekers are bowling and All it's right. actually portraying that AIDS can be carried by anyone. So I think it may have been – Government funded in some way, but there was an ad in. Um, we're not going to do it for our break, ad break, but we'll tell you about it. It was, it was um, basically you see all these people sort of being dropped onto the floor by a machine, like they were um, uh, pins in a pin in in a um, like bowling pins, bowling pins, and they were like standing there in formation. And it was all yeah. spooky. There was like dry ice sort of fucking floating yeah, around yeah. on the floor. And then yeah. the, pe- the, the the pricks who are playing bowling is the groom, Grim Reaper and all his mates. Yeah. And the Grim Reaper's like picking up bowling balls and bowling down and like knocking these people down. It was fucking scary. Like you had to, as a kid, you had to run away from the TV. It was like, you know. Oh, totally. But I think it was a time where we all knew that, it wasn't just gay people getting AIDS. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it made everyone else aware that if you didn't rubber up, you <laughs> could get AIDS. Or yeah. if you shared a needle, if you're a drug user, you could get AIDS. I That's the way I kind of thought of it. I don't think it was to say, well, it was just for, for one type of person. Yeah, but I don't know. You don't see any ad coming out now uh, during – the, the pandemic about COVID-19 with the fucking Grim Reaper and, you know, if someone's got coronavirus. Like it's not, you know, you know, you don't see any ad with like if someone coughs next to you in the supermarket. You know what I mean? It just sort of, it creates panic and it actually creates, obviously from this fucking coronavirus thing, you really do not need to instill that much fear in people for them to act like fucking idiots. Like you look at people buying up all the toilet paper and all the flour and, you know, all of that kind of shit. Um, do, you, do you think that people were more responsible in the 80s though? Because I don't when it came to sex. Look, by the time that I came through, because you were just that couple of years older than me, um, you did not have sex without a condom. By no, the time well, that, that... This is the... Yeah. By the time I started, I, I guess, um, becoming active in the 90s, you did not have sex with um, without a condom. If you had... Exactly. I remember, I remember like, instances... <laughs> Maddie probably did. But I, I remember instances of, like... Um, and it's that age group as well. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. If you were sort of that age group in your teens and stuff in the 90s, you, you didn't do it. Um, I remember the, like the condom breaking and all that kind of thing, and me just thinking, "What the fuck am I gonna do?" Like, okay, so in nineteen eighty five, eighty six, 
no one used condoms. No, no one. God no. They weren't even fucking brought at the Seven Eleven. Yeah, right? right. So we had teenage pregnancies. We had fucking whatever they got any any diseases, herpes and stuff. Right. Okay. When you went to a bowling alley in 1987 after seeing this ad, <laughs> it would scare the shit out of you. But I actually think it had to do that mm. to stop people from being irresponsible and having fucking sex without condoms. Because the 80s was open slather. Yeah. I mean, it was the first pandemic that we ever had where it could kill you from fucking doing nothing. <laughs> Yeah. You're having sex. That's it. Yeah, right. Okay. So so and all of a sudden, I remember um, a mate of mine, Alan, who was a little bit older and was a pop star, was a, was, sorry, was a rock star in the 80s here in Australia. And he he um, he always used to say to us like, oh, fuck, um, oh, fuck, I wish you guys could have lived back in that time just to experience the kind of... Um, free love without condoms kind of thing. I mean, it is yeah, yeah. it is like that a little bit now, um, because basically since they since like prep medication and stuff that um, stops AIDS from progressing, uh, stops HIV from progressing and everything. People people now like right now. Um, have a lot of unprotected sex, and it's a little bit, uh, you know, it's a little bit irresponsible because you can still get other venereal diseases and all that kind of shit. But um, mm. but um, you know, you're talking about a good thirty year period or so that That's right. that um, it was driven into people that they did not have sex without a condom. You know, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, I remember it being fair enough. Yeah. I remember yeah. it being fair enough and it wasn't even about it was the commercial was scary but I don't think anyone sex is a powerful thing man and unless you hammer it hard on the head mm. people are going to root around what, without condoms. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Men with their dicks, they just want to put it in mate. They don't care whether they rubber up or they fucking whatever they do. It was getting dangerous to the fact that women were carrying it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to say that Paul Lukakis is HIV positive. Oh, so fuck. So this is the thing oh my is God. Um, he, well, he came out in 1980 or 1990, he told everyone, but he was HIV positive in 88. So it was right. a year for that whole we've got to fucking click over now and and do this and um, and, and really change things because it was not about the gay community at all. It was about the drug community. Everyone was babies that are born where their mothers used a fucking needle. It w- wasn't so black and white. They were, they were, they were realising that everyone could catch it. Yeah, yeah. Far out, mate. Yeah. It was a fuck – it's – yeah. was a full-on thing, I tell you what. Yeah. But look – But great ad. Anyway <laughs> – Let's go to our ad. Let's have a little bit of a breather and we'll come back uh, with some more material. Um, Cool. Enjoy our ad. In one of these and in one of these. One of these. Last 20% longer than a Duracell. To write the extraordinary energizer. Independent tests prove Energizer lasts 20% longer than Duracell. Prove it for yourself. Energizer. Oi! 
That was awesome. How was that? A Mark Jacko Jackson. That's who was in that ad. He and Jacko was sort of like a, you know, there was a couple of well, rock star footy players, weren't yeah, there? Yeah, well, he was like a retired uh, VFL player and he played for a few clubs. Like oh, I think he played for oh, St Kilda and Melbourne maybe and bloody oh, a few. He moved around a lot. He was a bit of a slut. But he, um, Mark Jacko Jackson, how do you describe? He was like a fucking, he was a massive bloke. He was really tall. And he was like a bit of a lov- lovable larrikin. Get out of you fucking going. But he was quite like aggressive. He fucking he yelled. He was very aggressive. He yelled yeah, yeah, yeah. everything. It was just like, yeah. Jesus. I think a lot of his appeal, like, you know, he was sort of funny and a larrikin, but you were laughing because you didn't want to get bashed. Didn't he also drop his undies and shit like that on the field and did all that no, bullshit probably. stuff? No, probably, yeah. I, look, I don't know if he <laughs> – is he still alive? He'll come and bash me if he hears yeah, this. Yeah, no, no, I, no, I, no, I don't know if – I don't know if uh, – you know, the standard of VFL in the day is very different to AFL now. We're talking about Australian football. Australian mm. football for people overseas. Um the VFL, when it became the AFL, I mean, VFL, they were still like, you know, having a ciggy and, you know, sneaking in a bloody stubby of VB at half time. None of that fucking shit anymore. It's all, you know, it's all kind of beep tests and um, this and that, very scientific and very strict. Um, so, look, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if Jacko was like an amazing footballer more than he was like this larger than life character on the field. Like everyone was like shit scared of him, shit scared of him on the field. Like he, he would not, he would not think twice about dirty football and just like sinking a few in and fucking smashing you in the head, you know? So yeah, yeah. And, he, and he had that short, blonde, cropped hair. That's right. Uh, at, that everyone used to go, wow, look at his hair. Quite, and quite but who's the other dickhead that comes to our gigs? that's like him. Warwick Kappa. Warwick Kappa was. He was another one. Yeah, he sort of had a go. But look, um, um, Jacko, Mark Jacko, Mark Jacko Jackson had a very catchy, um, um, what do they call? A um, a buzz line, a catch, catchphrase. He had a very, very well written catchphrase. It was like, like Shakespeare, just like. Beautiful poetry just sort of pouring out. Do you want me to do the catchphrase for you? Yeah, do it. Oi! Yeah. He had a single out as well. He had a He had a fucking record out. It was called I'm an Individual. Sammy. Yeah, he was mates with Chopper Reed as well. Sammy charted. It went to number one. Yeah, right. That is yeah. sad. 
What year though? Uh, and eighty. Oh, I don't know if eighty-seven. It went to number one. It could have been early. It could have been later. But look, he yeah. kind of. Um, he kind of bounced around. He used to do a, a, a fair bit of advertising stuff. He was um, yeah. obviously the, the the face and the voice and the oi of Energizer Batteries because um, he had all this fucking energy, you know? Like he was sort of, you know, ah, fucking buy the batteries, you can't. You know, like, yeah. Um, oh, like, oh, okay, you know. And I think in these days footy players weren't making the money they were making now. Because footy players, I remember watching footy in, in the 80s and they all had jobs as sports people or in yeah. a sports shop or they were working for a bloody amino acid store or they all had they, day jobs. They would work at, yeah, see the money was, yeah, they did. They all had day jobs. It, like now they're sort of career athletes. but um, That's right. Um, you know, <laughs> funny thing that used to happen in the in the 80s with footy players is – uh, footy, they'd get some sort of big name footy player to come and do a couple of shifts per week in like a, a shoe shop selling That's fucking right. men's yeah. shoes and, and pushing like athletic shoes and that kind of shit. The poor bastards. You know, like Absolutely. that kind of shit. Yeah. They weren't all like tradies and fucking this and that. They were um, – they'd get them sort of in endorsing businesses and, and sort of these – this this kind of footy player endorsement of of um, doing uh, TV advertising and stuff was quite popular. I'd say it was. I'd say Jacko was the most popular because he he remember he, they got him um, to do the anti drink and drug campaign and he like he actually took his single um, I'm an individual and it was I'm an individual I don't need fags remember fags. Oh. No. Fags, fags being cigarettes. Amer uh, do Americans call them fags? I don't think they do. Americans don't call cigarettes fags. They don't. No. <laughs> that, that it means something else. But yeah. but Brits and Aussies do. Brits still call them fags. Mm -hmm. Aussies don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm an individual. We don't. I don't need fags, and I don't. I don't need drugs. He did. I don't need drugs as well. I'm pretty sure. But there you go. And this is the year that Carlton and Hawthorne played in the grand final, 1987. Fucking boo. And I think they beat Hawthorne. Boo. Which is something that was interesting because Hawthorne were unbeatable. Yeah, fuck yeah. I think. I could be wrong. But, um, I mean, these were the years where I was sort of going to the footy as well, which was interesting because I, I haven't been. Were you going to the footy to pick up? I was in the North Melbourne cheer squad in 1981. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I used to go to Arden Street and make the banners. Can you remember the? the um, <laughs> can you remember I used to go to the, Arden Street? Can you remember the? Um, first of all, I need to ask: Did you sleep with any of the players? I was 11. Oh God! I, okay, you could have yeah, said that yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> 1981. 1981. <laughs> Good question though. 1981 I was 11. Okay. And I was in the North Melbourne Cheer Squad every Saturday. Can you remember so any of the – I had my little the, medallion. Can you rem remember any of the, you know, rah, 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 any of the fucking chants? No, but I remember Young Turks by Rod Stewart was really big. It would have been – I loved it. It would have been I a few Young, Young Turks, Turks in, the, in the stands watching the game. 
Yeah, all the older ones. I, rem- I remember seeing marriages and shit come out of it. Um, <laughs> I know all the older ones were definitely rooting each other, but <laughs> I was only 11. But oh, I just went with my neighbours. It was the time where you actually got to know your neighbours mm. and they were like your aunties and your uncles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they used to drag me along to the footy. But um, I did like to look at the boys, I must say. Yeah. Because they were the times where you could go out on the field and kick a footy after the game. Yeah, you know? fucking run into the middle square. Yeah. There's, you can't do that there's, now. There's a, uh, I don't for think. those who don't know, there's a big square in the middle of, a, uh, of an AFL field. And an AFL field is like an oval because it's where traditionally the cricket players would play footy during the winter to keep um, fit. So that you, yeah. you play it on a cricket pitch. You play it on a cricket paddock. Um, so it, it's got a square in the middle um, and at the end of the game you famously used to be able to run out into the square and there used, yeah. used to be a competition where, you know, basically fucking whoever got into the square first was the biggest legend. But you're not allowed to do it anymore. There's like no, <laughs> you're not. It's like ten. I think it's like $10,000 um, fine or something like that. Yeah. It was the best fun because you'd go up and pat the players on the ass or pat the players on yeah, the back. Yeah, just grab their nuts or whatever. But yeah, so footy was uh, interesting in those years because it was just fun. I mean, I didn't go until 1987. I think I'd finished going by then. Yeah, right. I'd moved on to riding horses. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, all right. I'm gonna leave. Yeah. I'm gonna leave that alone. Yeah. Let's um. Let's have a look, Sam. Do you want to have a look at a couple of films? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah? Um, Can you remember back to watching anything from your first-hand experience in 1987? I certainly do. No. Oh, what about bloody um, Three Men and a Baby? No fucking way would I watch that shit. Do you know that was the highest grossing film of 1987? Three Men and a Baby. Yep. With Steve Guttenberg from... Um, Police Academy with um, what's the prick with the Tom Selleck with uh, yeah Tom Selleck and the other one, the other one with the hairpiece um, that yeah. went out with Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, Ted Danson from Cheers. So it was those. Yeah, there was a big rumor about three men and a baby. So the the premise basically the premise of three men and a baby. It's a Disney film, so it's all kind of like, you know, oh, lovely. Um, three dudes who are mates. They're not gays, but they yeah. they do live together. Um, they do live together and through sort of a series of events, they have to look after a baby um, and they know nothing about babies and blah, blah, blah. And, they, you yeah. know, it really kind of cramps their lifestyle and suddenly they're all dads. It's a it's a weird sort of thing. But um, um, there is a, an urban myth about there being a ghost. Apparently there is a ghost in one of the shots. Um, but, yeah, so check it out. See if you can see this. Go, go back and see if you can spot the ghost in Three Men and a Baby. You know, if you don't sort of end up killing yourself from watching the movie because, yeah, I can know. That kind of shit, that kind of shit with, um, uh, you know, babies, little kids and all that kind of thing was huge. Remember like, it wasn't an 87 film, but remember like Look Who's Talking came came out a couple of years after this. Now, a very close second 
to Three Men and a Baby in terms of earnings. Um, oh, and by the way, Three Men and a Baby made $167 million. That's how much it grossed in that year. Great. That would be chump change these days for the earnings yeah. of a film. Yeah. If a film made $167 million these days, it would be deemed as a failure. Because they're a lot more expensive to make and what they're doing. Fuck yeah. And what they're using, you know. That's right. Now, as I was saying, very close second to Three Men and a Baby was Fatal Attraction. Yeah, awesome movie. With Michael Douglas and Glenn Boil Close. Boil your bunny with the bunny boiler. Bunny boiler. It's where the phrase bunny boiler came from. That's right. The, the, um, the premise of Fatal Attraction was, of course, a dude has an affair with a chick. He's married. He's got a little kid. He has an affair. Um, he thinks he's just sort of going to, you know, stick it in once and, you know, go back to his life. And she, the, the, the woman he has the affair with, forms a quote-unquote fatal attraction with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't realise how fatal at first, so he, keep, he keeps seeing her um, and eventually she gets a bit weird. She cuts herself, all kinds of shit. Yeah, yeah. And then he cuts her off. He just completely cuts her off. Doesn't want anything to do with her. There is a famous scene in Fatal Attraction where uh, the, he he has a daughter. She <laughs> she has a pet rabbit in the backyard. This is Michael Douglas, yeah. And Glenn Close, yes. Yeah, right. Glenn yeah. Close, who plays the other woman, breaks into the house, gets the rabbit, pops it into a pot. And makes rabbit stew. Yes. Fucking hell, mate. How full on. So that. And I remember the first time I heard someone use Bunny Boiler <laughs> in the 90s, and I thought it was the funniest shit I'd mate, ever heard. It still is funny. It still works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it still works. I, we, I oh, s- that chick would be a Bunny Boiler. I still refer to sort of the odd chick as being a, a, a bit Glenn Close, you know? Like, yeah. Fucking full on. Yeah. yeah. Other Bit big of a bunny boiler. Other big films at the time. And Good Morning Vietnam. Good Morning Vietnam. Was which was sort of a big um venture of of um Robin Williams into feature films. He was sort of known for Mork and Mindy, which came late mm. late seventies or early eighties. But this was like a massive hit for him. Um, it really sort of showcased his genius, you know. He yeah. he um he played a, a a radio DJ in in Vietnam. Amazing film, worth the watch, definitely. We had Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Now it wasn't until the following year that Cher in Moonstruck also had Nicolas Cage. He was the he was the male lead. Yeah. Um, Cher would go on to win the Academy Award. So yeah. she it was the fo- obviously because um. Academy Awards happened the following year. Mm. Was it this year or next year that she won? Was it 88 that Cher won? I think it was 88. I could be wrong. But 87 Cher won. Did she? Yeah, 87 I think. Yeah. What year did Cher have, if I could turn back time, that must have been 88. Turn back time... Term that time Would must have been, have been 89. Maddie will tell us. Wasn't 89, yeah. I don't think. You know what, what else was a, a massive film at this time in 87? Mm-hmm. The Untouchables. Yes. Big mobster film. 
Oh, well, 89 was 89, you're yeah. right, Bubba. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, just sneaks mm. in. Just sneaks in that song. Now, The Untouchables was a mobster film with Sean Connery, but starring Kevin Costner. Don't like Kevin Costner. Really? Nah. Really? Why not? A bit boring? I don't know. He kind of annoys me. Yeah, he's a little bit annoying. What was the other movie he did, Kevin Costner? Well, he was massive, I think, in – I don't think it was the 80s. Dancing with Wolves? Dancing with Wolves. Was, oh, yeah. fucking da- did you say Dancing wolves? with Wolves? Dan- yeah. <laughs> Dancing with Wolves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, two wolves. Fucking dancing with wolves. Yeah, it may da- as well have been. Dancing, fucking dancing with wolves. Shocking. <laughs> fucking, fucking dancing with wolves. Yeah, he's dancing with wolves. What was wolves. it called? What was it called? Dances with wolves. Oh, dances. Yeah, dances with wolves. So there was many wolves, was there? Yeah, not wolves. Oh. There were no wolves. Fucking hideous. Well, there might have been out there on the... On the fucking planes, might have been a <laughs> might have been a bit woofy. <laughs> Who knows? But it didn't happen till the nineties, I don't think. I, yeah, no, that's right. No, would be was, able to I, tell I just, us. That's the only movie I remember him from where I went, okay. All right, so another one with Cher from the top ten highest earners of of the eighties was, which is a V Swick. Yes, and Warner Brothers uh, movie was that Ivan Reitman? I'm pretty sure. Ivan Reitman. Um, I don't know. What accent's that, Bubba? Ivan Reitman. What accent's Iri- that? It's Irish. Oh, I thought it was Indian. But, but no, I'm trying to say it the way Schwarzenegger does it. Ivan Reitman. Yeah. <laughs> so something like that. <laughs> Ivan Reitman. George <laughs> Miller, was it? George Miller's an Aussie. Now, George, I don't know. George Miller, um, sorry, Witches of Eastwick, famous for showcasing the talents like a little trio of like beautiful, beautiful women. You had, yeah. you had Cher, you had uh, Susan Sarandon, who was your, mm-hmm. your redhead, and you had mm. the bl- beautiful blonde, Sammy. Not fucking Melanie Griffith. No. Uh, who was it? Um, Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, that's better. And in your mail, <laughs> and glad I didn't cast the fucking thing. And in your mail lead, you had um, um, old mate Jack Nicholson. Mm. Jack was massive around this time. Yeah, he was huge. Getting a lot of chicks to root him too. Now, Maddie, had he done Batman yet? Batman was eighty-eight, wasn't it? Fucking hell, mate. He would have been pulling down some decent wages around this time. Yeah. He still has for Batman um, just this phenomenal contract where um, I'm pretty sure in Jack Nicholson's contract for Batman, he would make a percentage for any sequels about Batman. Wow. Any sequels about Batman – even if he was not in the film because it was believed that him lending his name and profile and star power to the franchise altogether, that mm. was actually contributing to um, income on any sequel. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Amazing. Fucking phenomenal. And, and I remember him 
um, after Batman, turning down films because he didn't feel like learning the lines and they'd be like, Jack, you're going to make $30 million for this movie and him saying, yeah, but I've already got way more money than I will ever spend in my lifetime. So, you know, it's not really, it's not really about money. Isn't that? Yeah. Isn't that? Yeah, yeah. Fuck off, you fuck. It, that is amazing. That is amazing. So we also saw Beverly Hills 2, Beverly Hills Cop 2 come out in <laughs> 1987. <laughs> yes, that was the third highest earner. It was. Yeah. It was a big one. Yeah. Which is pretty rare for a number two to sort of do <laughs> so well. Pretty two for a number two to make such an impact. Number two or number one. Except for a semi's back bathroom. That's right. Yeah. It did all right. It did all right. It had... Eddie Murphy. Was this the one where he laughs at the white guys dressed as Michael Jackson? Nah, that was the, the first one. That was the that first was one. That was the fucking best thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the two white guys, one with a blonde perm and one with a dark perm. And he... Yeah, but there were... Yeah, but that is an in-joke and it was the suit he wore in Delirious. But I fucking swear to God, there were people in Australia that were white wearing the fucking Michael Jackson outfits and Batesy was one of them. Fuck, is that right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) If everyone wore a Michael Jackson jacket, it did not matter Mm. how fucking stupid or daggy you were. Batesy's got a few of them, hasn't he? He's got a heap of them, yeah. I want one. Yeah. Do you know what else came out in 87 is Lethal Weapon. Wow, I like the Lethal Weapon one. Launching our Mel Gibson, even though he was born in America, our Mel Gibson yeah. <laughs> onto yeah, sort right. of the American um, big time, you know? Yeah. This was yeah. huge. Oh, you is know. Is that after Mad Max though? Yeah. Uh, okay, so, so Mad done, Max didn't do anything in America? No, well, he had made Mad Max 1 or t- one and 2 in Australia. Um, yep. Mad Max 1 was not released in Australia, I don't think. In Australia or Mad America? Mad Max 2. Oh, sorry, in America. Sorry, I don't think. Mad Max mm-hmm. 2 certainly was. Mad Max 2 certainly was. And Mad Max 3 definitely was. So, look, Mel Gibson was a... Was a kind of movie star known to um, known to Americans, um, mm. but this Lethal Weapon was the the um, the big hit where he was playing an American, doing an American accent, and the th- yeah. the thing about Lethal Weapon is it really showcased Mel's. He was fucking crazy in this. He was crazy. Yeah. Um. A lot of this. A lot of this energy was due to Mel's monumental cocaine habit. Ah. Yeah. Wow. He loved a bit. Fuck. So there you go. He didn't believe in condoms because he had sort of seven or eight kids being a strict Catholic. But he he, um, he did believe in... That was a big thing uh, in the 80s. Did believe in uh, wrecking up a few... uh, Marriages. Yeah. I reckon up a few lines. No, I, he he was married for years to that wow. to that poor sort of one woman, and then he had um, remember he had the affair with the Russian um, chick in her twenties called Oksana. <laughs> Vaguely, remember yeah. that, and she just looked like some weird version of Chloe Latanzi. Wow, remember that? Anyway, 
Mm. Vaguely, baby. Yeah. So Faith, Faith George Michael, this was his year. Oh, okay. With We're back Faith? on the bloody music. Yeah, all right, Faith. Yeah, yeah Faith. sorry. I thought I'd um, – yeah, I just wanted to mention that because um, we talked about it in last episode. Yes. And this is the reason why I wanted to do 1987 just to see what else was kind of happening. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Faith had really cemented George's – it, Solo career. It was really big. Banana Rama was huge. Oh with, my god, um, Banana! It was their year. Love in the first degree in that year. And you know what else happened? What? Siobhan married Dave fucking Stewart. Did she marry him in that year? Yep. That's a bit of a powerhouse, isn't it? Dave Stewart uh-huh. from Dave Stewart from Eurythmics, of course. Yep. So I think they met on the Who's That Girl? Oh, did they? I think they met in that video. Because okay. um, they all had cameos. Yeah. And it was on. Right. They were getting married. Crazy when crazy met crazy. Yes, absolutely. Peter Gabriel was massive in 87. Yep. Yeah. Can you remember what he was doing in 87? Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer. Yeah. Which, um, what's that prick from One Direction? Um, what's his name from One Direction? He's got an album out now. He famously does. Yeah, the cute, the cute. Yeah, one. the only talented one. I can't remember his name. He's but I was. He does an amazing live version in his tour of of Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel, and it's fucking perfect. It's incredible. It's a good song. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah. I used to do it in a cover band. This is when I first started in cover bands oh, in '87. Shit. And we were working at a venue called Spencer's, which was in Spencer Street. Yep, it was an old pub. Yep. And I was in my first dance group with Fab and Bates and Fab and Bates would come and see the band. The band was called Shebang. Uh-huh. And Sledgehammer would start up in this, we used to call a Coxter at the Savoy. Yeah. Do you know the Savoy Hotel in Spencer Street? Yeah. That used to be Spencer's Hotel. Oh. So they gutted that eventually and made that the Savoy. But anyway, this chick, this gothic chick would get up and just start shaking her leg and stuff. Yeah. And the boys used to call her Coxter at the Savoy <laughs> because every time – because she had cock eyes and every time she started dancing we'd fucking piss ourselves laughing. Oh, no. And it was always through Sledgehammer. Oh, shit. So, oh, yeah, fantastic. good old Coxter at the Savoy we used to call it. Now, bloody Fleetwood Mac came out with mm. Tango in the Night, that album. That was a good album. Did you like it? No. no. Okay. All right. We'll keep moving. Then. But let's talk about it because I don't. I don't not want to talk about it because I don't like it. Can you remember any I, of the tracks that were on it? Tell me lies. Yeah. Would have been tell on me it? lies. Tell me. Fucking speak. hate Christine's voice with a passion. Really? Yep. Why? Just don't like her. Oh, okay. I I like Stevie. Yeah. Love Stevie's voice, but Christine was a little bit beige for me. Yeah, right. This was a decent hit off the album, though. Like she, given that she was not the main female vocalist. Oh fuck yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They did really, really well. Yeah, yeah. We um, might do a little shout out to our friend Penny, who does a Fleetwood Mac uh, cover band. Yeah. G'day, Pen. Hope you're listening. Yeah, with her band is Tusk. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Best band in Australia for that shit. Yeah, for Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Um, and it's good to see another woman on keyboards, I guess. That was always a good thing. Uh, as in Chris- Christine McVries. Christine, yeah, Fucking yeah. Hell. Like, you know what I mean? But they were all banging each other at this time. Yeah, right. 
Um, but no, that was good. But um, now you had what else? You had um, a huge single in '87. It didn't sort of um, didn't go to number one, but that fuck heart with how can I get you? Yeah, alive? it was huge. Oh huge. my god! What yeah, an amazing absolutely. song. It was, absolutely. What an incredible song. You've it's like a kind of rock symphony, you need to listen to this. Matty might play yeah. a bit now, who knows? Yeah. yeah. He can play it underneath. Um, but look, I think um, we had some pretty I find a lot of the stuff in eighty seven I kind of appreciate more now. Right. Than what I did when it was nineteen eighty seven. Yes. I was a little bit like, oh God, you know. But I was at that time where I was just about to go clubbing, so I was listening to a lot of underground club stuff. But I did love how Hart had changed their whole look and went super 80s. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, they went super 80s and there was uh, Hysteria by Def Leppard was huge as well Fuck with yeah. Love Love Bites. Mate, all of that, all of that um, hair metal stuff, I absolutely ate it up. That's what I was listening to. Yeah, yeah. GNR, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, uh, Alice Cooper. Yeah. Um, who else? Aerosmith. Aerosmith um, had an album out. You're right. Um, yeah. Around this time, and I remember. Um, and you would have been listening to Kick, in excess. Yes, that's right. Um, I remember sort of around this time, bloody. Going over to my friend Nathan Francis. He was he was my mate back in around this time, and yep. um, I lived out in a farm. I used to go in and, and crash at Nathan's on the weekend, and he had older brothers who were really naughty. We were all really naughty, yep. and we would um, we would bloody pump the hair metal, just pump the hair metal. These guys, I tell you what, they just had music playing. I think they had they were a Catholic family, so they had like bloody seven kids or something and um, they all were into music. You know, we were all into music at the same time. So what we would do, we'd listen to the hair metal tracks all day and at night, we uh, during the day, we would make match bombs. I'm not sure if anybody remembers match bombs but you would get a, get a box of matches, rip the side off, rip one of the flints off the side, tuck the flint in around the sort of redheads, around the sort of top of the match and then you would you would close the box again or what was left of the box tape the whole fucking thing up with um tape so that it was airtight Mm -hmm. and then when you that was basically a match bomb so when you would throw that at the ground the redheads of the matches would rub up against the the flint on the inside of this airtight box and just fucking explode like a gunshot Wow. And we used to make like bloody bloody hundreds of them and like walk around the streets throwing them at houses and stuff and the fucking cops would come out and we'd run and yeah. Good old How many are there how many were there of you? Oh, like like a little gang. <laughs> you know, like a little gang of kids. Your first gang. Yeah, that's right. But um I think sort of we got busted for that kind of shit, so a lot of that kind of fun was uh short lived. But um, yeah. yeah, so there you go. So it, it wow. it's sort of like around that time you'd like, if your mate like broke up with his girlfriend, you'd go around and like rock her roof, like throw throw rocks on her roof and all that kind of shit. Yeah, wow. <laughs> ah, ridiculous. 
I did, yeah, I did a fair bit of that kind of thing. Anyway, never mind. Very interesting. I mean, we should be talking more about the stuff we did in 87. But see, I was at that real fine point where I was starting to go out and getting my licence and shit. Yeah, you know? doing all of that stuff. Yeah. I was a- where I was just basically, you know, I've got my learners and uh, I'm going to go out to nightclubs. Yeah, yeah. Because I was at that year where I could get in and, you know, be, be illegal but kind of look 18. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good on you. It was a few more years for me until I started uh, clubbing but there you go. All right, yeah. Sammy. I think we might do a mad wrap-up soon. Do we have any shout-outs to do from um, anybody do. who's come on board? So, of course, um, heaps of people get in touch with us over our social media, Facebook and Instagram, of course. Um, but we also have had some people come on board with Patreon. Patreon is, of course, when you can become basically a subscriber um, you pay a monthly small amount and that allows us to sort of keep the lights on here in the studio, um, especially during quarantine times, very tough for us. Um, mm. And look, for as little as bloody $1, $5. But um, for $10, for ten, if you become a $10 Patreon subscriber, you get extra episodes. That's right. So what are some names? Who, who are some Patreons that have come on board this this week? Um, Patreons that have come on board this week is um, <laughs> Julie Patterson. Julie Patterson. We've talked about Julie before. Now, yeah, now, absolutely. Julie is a legend. Julie is one of our patrons who has come on board with a $10 subscription. Julie will be getting sort of extra episodes. We've got some funny ones coming out to Jules. She'll love that. I was talking to Julie during the week, actually. Um, yeah. um she, she messaged me. We're, we're all mates. So, g'day, Jules. Absolutely. Now, another Patreon. Just, yep, to let everyone know, it's, it's a monthly fee. It's not a weekly fee. That's what so I said, Every Dick. month. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Didn't hear it. Sorry, though. So another patron we've got is uh, Michael Spiteri. He's he's think I, I think he think I think he's got what like one or five dollars or something like that. And there's one more, Sammy. Um, Lara Simpson. Lara Simpson. Now that's a name that's very familiar, Lara. If you're listening, g'day. Um, you'd be hearing my voice for the first time in about 20 years or so. Lara Sammy was my valedictory partner in year 12. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? What does valedictory mean? Valedictory is like your formal, like your graduation. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You call it a call it a, um, a debut or a formal or, a, you know, one of those. A deb. Yeah. We're, or a deb. Yep. Yeah, debutante. So, mm. so we, didn't mm. get to, um, we didn't get to choose our partners. You weren't allowed to choose your boyfriend or your girlfriend at our school. They were very democratic because, you know, some people could have got left out or some people that were sort of unpopular or whatever. So it was, it was a little bit scary because you were like fucking, what if I got some complete stink bomb as a partner and I'd have to sort of, Rehearse with them doing the dancing because we did dance rehearsals for bloody months. Yeah, and, you would. Yeah, months leading up to um, uh, leading up to the the graduation, and thankfully Lara pulled out my name, and I was hugely relieved because we were already friends. So we we're like fucking yeah. So Lara has um, Lara has been 
very supportive of me for the 20 years since we left high school. Um, any stuff that I have done, whether it be music, whether it be films or television or anything, Lara has um, been supporting me in the wings, which has been beautiful. She's always kept in touch on social media. I believe she lives in Hong Kong now um, and she's listening from Hong Kong. So that would contribute to our Hong, ah. Hong Kong statistics, Sammy. So there you go. Wow, that might have been our Hong Kong um, review that I can't get hold of. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. Possibly Lara. Yes, there you go. So we've spent a bit of time on Lara. We love Lara. But because Julie has become a $10 patron, yep. I have a song for Julie. Oh, do ya? I have a song for her. So, Julie, thank you so much for this. What's the song? Um, it, it may not be a song you like, but um, What's the last song? week we did songs. It's by Shaken Stevens and it's Old Julie. Find one for Lara, but anyway, Lara's been in bed with you just about. <laughs> she wished. No, 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 no. She look. She um. She, yeah, she was gorgeous in high school. I'm sure she's still gorgeous now. If there wasn't, yeah. if there wasn't a coronavirus, we'd be having our 20 year school reunion. But too bad it won't be happening. All yeah. right, so we might wrap it, wrap it, wrap it up. Now we are Absolutely. we are running a poll at the moment which only has a few more days to go. Go online to our social media and vote. Uh, we're doing a poll for some subject matter for an, a new episode. Will it be about Wham or will it be about Tears for Fears? Yeah, so it's the famous duos. Now I know Wham were, you know, very popular as a duo, but so were Tears for Fears. If you want to hear all Absolutely. about Tears for Fears, they're a fucking awesome band. So vote away. Absolutely. Vote away. All the votes are pouring in at the moment. You still have time. And they're on, yeah, and they're on our Facebook page. Yep, that's right. Which now, is Facebook, the 80s Montage Podcast. That's right. And get in touch with us. Anytime you want to talk to us, you can get in touch uh, via Instagram or Facebook. Now, in terms of listening to us online, we're on uh, Podomatic, we're on uh, Spotify, we're on iTunes and all the regulars. Please like, share, subscribe and comment. The comments are fucking awesome. The comments are the things that really make a difference for us and really sort of push us up up the charts, of course. Of course, you know, by all means, share it to all your friends, tell them about the show, how fucking funny we are and give us a five-star rating. Don't forget, all right? No stuffing around. Don't piss around giving us a two or a three or, or even a four. Just go to five. How well, much? Don't put the seed in their head. How much is it going to cost you? Not as much as fucking Julie Patterson paying ten bucks a month, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to mention, slip in there, um, patreon.com forward slash the 80s montage podcast if you want to 
put a dollar a month in. Fantastic. Good. Get all mm. around it. It really makes a massive difference to us. If you love the show, come on board. It's like being a shareholder to a massive, Absolutely. a massive fucking multinational company. You could be like, you could be like fucking <laughs> Joan Collins, except of our show. You know, how, Joan how, Collins. How exciting and glamorous would that be? All right, Sammy, let's wrap, wrap, wrap it up. This is the 80s montage. And, of course, if it's music mateys or cool, cool shit, shit from, from the, the 80s, 80s, we're going to talk about it. Unreal. Unreal. Oh, thank God.